Welcome to the Vulnerable Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Almeida. Each week, we'll share inspiring stories and tips on facing vulnerability and the lessons we can use to help us be able to find success and fulfillment in our own lives. With each episode, we hope to impact one listener. And if anything you've heard has impacted you, we'd appreciate you sharing it on social. Thank you for listening. Now let's get vulnerable. Shannon Alder said, One of the most important things you can do on this earth is to let people know they are not alone. This is episode 32 of the Vulnerable Podcast with Michelle Tenzing. Her first memory of facing vulnerability was during a figure skating performance, where she fell backwards, hitting her head, and blacking out. It wouldn't stop her from finishing, but she felt the heaviness of the moment nonetheless. Finishing was something she started to carry with her, regardless of the situation. The high-achieving focus she developed was a strength, but it definitely could also be a burden, especially as she entered the working world. On the outside, people saw success and drive, and not necessarily knew she was suffering. Throughout her life, she has battled depression, multiple hospitalizations, and long-term care for her mental health issues. Although now she considers herself a survivor, the work to get here has been challenging, fraught with setbacks, and yet she's found hope. After starting a movement called The Truth Behind Our Titles and beginning to share her story, the next move took five years. She was asked to publish her story on LinkedIn, and the vulnerability of sharing so openly was overwhelming to say the least. It's now had over 50,000 views. She will say the number isn't important, it's the impact the story had on some of those readers that is. As the CEO and founder of the East 10th Group, she continues working to inspire people to share their stories and realize they're not alone. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get vulnerable with Michelle Tenzik. Hey, Michelle, thank you for coming on the Vulnerable Podcast. I'm glad to have you on. Thanks, Brian. Delighted to be here today. Thank you. So the first question I like to ask every guest to get started is, what is your definition of vulnerability? That's actually, I feel like it's a loaded question. (laughs) Uh, You know, we can all look it up in the dictionary, uh, but I like to take a page out of Brene Brown's book and talk about vulnerability being the ability to really show oneself very honestly and authentically, both our strengths as well as our weaknesses and not step back from being open about all of that. Oh, awesome. And, and you know, what I, I like about what you said there is that we can all look in the dictionary and, and read the definition. Um, but what I like, and the reason I asked that question is, is the fact that everybody has a different answer. Um, so everybody's way of looking at it is different and, and everybody's story is different. And that's the whole point of this podcast. So again, you know, I just like that you made that point there where we can all look it up in the dictionary, which is easy to do, but to actually think about it in our own terms um, is, is a different thing altogether. So thank you for that definition. So what would you say would be your earliest memory of going through some sort of vulnerability or some sort of struggle in in your life? Yeah, so I think the first one that I'll talk about is when I was a young girl, I grew up as a figure skater. And the uh, one of the ice shows that I was in, for those of you from the skating world will know what this move is, but I was doing a spread eagle, which is uh, you have to go back on your both skates and, and lean back on an outside edge. And I fell over <laughs> and blacked out on the ice oh, for wow. a few seconds. 
but yet got up and finished my performance. And so, you know, I certainly was embarrassed. I was hurting, my head hurt, all of those things. But it was about that ability of resilience, of still staying in something in spite of being, you know, in front of a crowd and them all seeing me fall. Uh, so when I really hearken back, I don't think I understood that as a young girl, but that became a thread and a theme for me through my whole life until now in terms of having a bit of resilience in me to bounce back or to move forward in spite of being exposed in certain situations. No, definitely. And so I guess, you know, overcoming that situation is simply like he said, it was it was the resilience. It was that push to keep going. Um, you know, was there anything else that you would say helped you sort of get through it or, or get over it? Or was it just simply like the resilience, like, you know, because I can imagine if you're blacking out for a couple minutes, and you have that little level of or that little moment of embarrassment, you know, it can't be easy to just stand back up and keep going like resilience might have been part of it. But was there anything else that you would say? sort of got you back up that day. Yeah, I, I think, well, the music was playing. <laughs> and, I to, and I have to catch up with the music. And I just, I don't, you know, this is a long time ago, but I don't think anything else occurred to me except to finish. Like that, that no matter what, you should still finish, you know, regardless. And I think that that's, it's, it is a theme of my whole life, really, which is, even, you know, this happened a few weeks ago. I'm, I'm a runner and I was in a half marathon and it really didn't go my way um, at all. I was in, a, I had some foot issues. I had some pain. The weather wasn't cooperating. And, you know, multiple times throughout the half, it, I kept saying to myself, oh, I'm going to just walk off the course. I'm just going to walk off the course. I can't do that. But yet I stayed with it. And I just kept going, okay, try another half mile, try another half mile. And, you know, it was more my own mindset about realizing I can get to the finish line. It may be sloppy, it may not look pretty, but I can get there. I can stick with it, um, even in spite of not feeling great and feeling, quite honestly, very vulnerable because I wasn't doing as well as I'd like to. So it sounds to me like, you know, resilience is definitely a key there, but, but I'm also getting like confidence. Because I, I mean, I can't, resilience is one thing to, to definitely like keep pushing and keep going and not give up. But it seems like you have a certain level of confidence as well to be able to be in the right mindset to keep pushing or, you know, in the terms of, of when it was skating, just to have the confidence to get back up in front of, because I'm, I'm assuming you were being judged there was some sort of competition, right? So, I mean, as much as resilience was part of it, I, I'm picking up that confidence might have been a part of it as well. Yeah, I, I, I can't disagree. I think that there certainly is foundationally in me in just terms of who I am and how I'm wired. Um, I think I've been gifted with that attribute. I think over the years, I've learned how to leverage it and hone it and use it for good. Uh, but yes, I, I would say there is definitely a level of confidence that I have that also allows me to push through and feel as if I can get something finished again, even if I'm last. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which I mean, at the end of the day, I don't, I, I don't know that the position necessarily matters. I mean, obviously we'd all like to be first, but I think the fact of the matter is like, you're making the point that the, the, the bigger part is that we finish is that we don't give up and that we finish whether it's last middle, wherever it is, you know, obviously we may be disappointed, but I think that there's a certain amount of, um, you know, as much as there's disappointment in the fact that you might come in last, there's still that, I guess, I don't know if confidence is the word, but there's that fact that you finished. That's still going to be, you know, better results at the end of the day. So what new strength did you discover in yourself that day? Was it the fact that the resilience or was it something else that you discovered in yourself? 
you know, when you decide to get back up that day or even that few weeks ago, like what, what, I mean, obviously I'm assuming that the strength is carried on from a younger age, but what would you say that strength would be? Um, I think I have an incredible determination, um, in me that I am, I'm a very determined person. Um, I certainly don't like being told I can't do something. Um, I always feel I can do something. Uh, I think in the half marathon, I had to balance out being in pain and, uh, you know, not further injuring myself, but I didn't think I was going to further injure myself. It was just really, I just didn't like the race. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I think that, that gave, you know, my determination was look at finish, you know, just finish it. It doesn't matter how you finish it, just get to the finish line. And that's certainly, you know, something that running has taught me about vulnerability and being open and, really just being with yourself and realizing, you know, I'm not racing against anyone else. I was racing myself that day. And how much was I willing to let go of certain levels of performance in order to get to a finish line? And those are great lessons to learn. Um, and that actually overall makes me, I believe, a stronger human being. No, and, and I couldn't agree more. And it's it's something that I was sort of picking up there um, that, you know, from my many years in, in sales uh, that sort of relates there is that whole thing of the only piece in your person you should ever be competing with is yourself. Because right. in sales, it's a very competitive industry, mm-hmm. um, you know, sports, running, like you're saying, uh, even skating, they're, they're all very competitive sort of things. And, and so the one lesson I learned, because for years, obviously, in sales, as, as I was, you know, especially in the younger years, it was like, how do I be the top sales guy? And then, you know, you're always looking at other people's numbers and everything like that. And then when I realized that I'm my biggest competition, I just sort of took off on my own. And, you know, if people could catch up, great, but I never really worried about where everybody else was. It was just more about where I was. So just as a sort of a relatability there, I guess you would say. Um, so, so, you know, th- throughout your life, you know, these moments of vulnerability, um, you yeah. know, whether it's the, the skating, the running or other things that I'm sure you maybe have some other stories you can share. But what, what would you say that the I guess the, the the way I try and position this question, what would you say the toll these things took on you, like emotionally, physically, whatever it might be? Like, what would you say that the, the struggle and the vulnerability that you face, like how has it affected you um, throughout your lifetime? And then also, again, what other stories you might you might have to share? So, you know, here's the crux of it for me is um, the, the most vulnerable I've been is in the last few years when I've come out publicly to talk about my own personal story as a very high achieving businesswoman that I've suffered deeply from clinical depression, multitude of suicide attempts. Um, I'm a survivor of suicide because uh, I'm here to talk about it and how that has um, integrated with my business career. Um, You know, as I was talking about the skating, right, and then even the running, I'm a high achiever. I'm competitive. I'm a high achiever. I always have been my whole career. And I love being in business. I run a HR consulting and leadership firm now after having uh, a lot of success in corporations as a head of HR. And yet underlying all that starting in the mid-90s was this really deep um, mental illness and mental health issues that I was suffering from that landed me in hospitals multitude of times. Um, and also that, that I didn't, uh, Brian, candidly, there wasn't a way to be as comfortable talking about it out loud in the companies that I was working in. Certainly, you know, certain people 
we're in the know because of benefits and those kinds of things that come up. But collectively, people didn't really know what was going on with me, and nor did I share about it. And nor did I share about when I was going for another job and people would ask me about my resume, which it wasn't a sketchy resume, but the reasons I exited certain places, you know, I had to massage that a little bit. I was really becoming very forthcoming. And then back in 2014, when I founded the movement, The Truth Behind Our Titles, it was when I started to sort of leak my story. My story started to get out there and I started to become, I don't even know if I would say comfortable, but more able to share about what I've gone through and what I've experienced and what I live with today. And most recently, and I think what got me to you, uh, without a doubt, is over the summer, we posted my story on LinkedIn as an article. And through a connection I had at LinkedIn, uh, my story, The Truth Behind Our Titles, a high, you know, a CEO's story of suicide, uh, depression, and resilience, right? Coming out the other side and hope. Um, it was published and we've gotten over close to 53,000 views of that article. And it's not about for me that it's, I've gotten the views, it's the content of the story and being vulnerable that have gotten the views and that people, it's resonating with them, whether it's their own personal experience with a mental health issue or maybe a loved one's, or just the fact that since I'm a sitting CEO and I work in very prestigious corporations today in terms of our clients, that I was able to be forthcoming with what you and I both know is not a story that's easy to be out there in the public about. And yet my feeling is that demonstrating this level of vulnerability that took me years to do. So for any of your listeners, this was not something that I was able to wake up one day and say, oh, gee, let me run around and talk about this. It took a lot of years and mainly a lot of years of me getting better, of me getting healthier and stronger in terms of who I am. And also watching the workplace today that... I really believe so strongly that we bring our full integrated selves to the workplace. You know, we don't leave our personal stuff at home, right? When we go into our workplace, whether, you know, you're working from your home office today, I am too, but I'm still bringing my whole self to work, right? With you, with whomever I interact with. And that there's just gotta be a way that for any of us, whether you struggle with something that I did or something else where it is to be vulnerable, it is to be open, that we can more safely bring these kinds of things into our work lives, into our whole lives, because we're whole people. And it's not to say that we need to, you know, tell everybody every little thing, <laughs> right? I mean, I mean, that's just, that's foolish, right? And nor do we have to do that. But I think that the power of story, which is what you and I are talking about today, the power of vulnerability, which, you know, Brene Brown, as we all know, is, is such a leader in this, in this topic, is so incredibly powerful. And that's what I've taken away from the people who've taken the time to read my article, to comment on the article, to share the article, which they have. And then there's all the people that I have no idea who have read it, (laughs) shared it, and it was meaningful. And at the heart of it is, I'm just another person 
making my way through a corporate career that demonstrated vulnerability. And wow, how powerful that is. So I commend you for what you're doing with this podcast to really talk about this, to, to just get it out there in the open that there is a way to do this. There just is. Um, it take, and it took me years to find my way to do it. But you know, here I am now and I'm doing it. But all the pieces that I mentioned before to you, you know, from the skating to the, to the running and the running I do because it helps my mental health greatly, all of those pieces have so allowed me to be a survivor. There's no doubt about that. Otherwise, I really am not sure I would, survive, I would have survived. Um, but it does help me survive today. No, and, and that's, uh, you know, me, like the, the, the amount of, it's a very powerful message. Like I'm sort of lost for words here just because like what, what amazes me and, and the point that you brought up there about this podcast is like, yes, I'm expecting people to share. I don't know how much they're going to share. And when people share, like you just have words as deep as you just have, it, it just, it, it really gives me hope for what I'm trying to do here in the sense that, you know, I want people to realize pretty much what you said is that, yeah, you might go through vulnerabilities, you may go through struggles in your life, but there's a way through it, right? And that's the whole, the title is Vulnerable with the word able capitalized because I want to show people that there is that ability that you can find strength within your weaknesses. And and that's really what, what I'm trying to do. The, the other couple of points that I wanted to really pull from what you said there, um, one is, you know, when you talked about like bringing ourselves to work, I was recently having this conversation with a few different people. And I said, you know, if you take your day, you get 24 hours, right? Uh, eight of those, if you sleep eight hours, eight of those are sleeping, which is one third. Another eight is working, which is one third. But let's all be honest with ourselves and say, you probably work more than eight hours. Most of us these days are bringing work home. We're working after hours and so on and so forth. So even if work only makes up one third, which like I said, most of us probably makes up a little bit more, you gotta, you gotta imagine that that's going to have some sort of effect on your life when it's taking up that large of a percentage of your time and your life. I think more of us need to sort of recognize it's not even just about us bringing our full selves to work. It's that work affects a large part of our life. Right. So that, that's definitely one, one point that I really picked up on there that I think is important for people to think about. And then the other one is, is, you know, like I said, is, is sort of that relatability um, is, but not so much even just sharing your story for it to be relatable, but also the fact that like, you have to deal with it yourself first. I was just having this conversation with a family member and I said, you know, like, I think people are afraid to deal with themselves, if that makes sense, like to deal with their, their problems or to face them. And, and I couldn't agree more with what you said is that you have to do the work on yourself first. And then once you've done that, if you're ready to share it with the world, great but you have to do the work on yourself first because if you just expect that putting it out there into the world is going to fix your problems, it might help a bit, but it's definitely not going to fix it. And I experienced that over the last couple of years, you know, sharing parts of my story, portions of it with the world and getting that relatability. But then in the background, realizing there's a lot more going on that I'm not being honest about. So right. again, you know, just wanted to sort of touch on those two things. Yeah. You know, I concur about, you know, the, the work we have to do on ourselves or, you know, we, we, I shouldn't even say should, but, you know, hopefully, you know, find the strength to do that. I would say for myself, my work is not done. That's for sure. You mm -hmm. know, is, is it's without a doubt, it's going to be a lifetime journey for me. Um, I would say that I have, as I've continued to share my story more openly, the more, 
I don't even want to say the word comfortable I am necessarily, but the more able, and I'm going to take off on the name of your podcast, I am, the more able I am to do it. But it isn't to say that um, all the work for myself is done and it, and it will never be done. You know, there are moments with, you know, with what I struggle with. I mean, I, I live with a, a mental health issue every day of my life. That's part of who I am. That's what I live with. Um, you know, there are days that I'm angry about it. There are days where someone might bring it up with me who knows me more closely that I can, you know, I can really snap about it, that it's very hard for me to have a conversation about it because um, it's just a sensitive day. It's not my best day. There are other days like today where I can talk about it more freely and not have any kind of upset when I'm talking about it or anxiety when I'm talking about it. Um, so I think it really, I definitely would concur with you. I encourage people, you know, to take long, hard looks at themselves and, and try to make their way through, you know, figuring out what might be um, at the heart or the core of some struggles that they might be having and see if they can find a way through those. I certainly have found it for myself that my life has turned out much better <laughs> since I've been doing that, uh, at least for me. It's, it's worked for me. Um, but yeah, it's not a, it's definitely a journey. That's all I can say. Journey, <laughs> that's for sure. No. And I, and I agree. I don't think the work's ever necessarily done. It's just, I, I think more of us need to recognize that what I've seen at least in, in my life and, and around me and, and even just talking to other people is that I find that a lot of us think that something or someone else is going to fix it for us at mm -hmm. some point when we're in that dark place or we're in that place of, you know, where we're not sure where to go, we're, we're looking to someone else or something else to sort of pull us out of it. And what I realize is that if you're not willing to do the work on yourself, um, it's, it's next to impossible for anything or anyone to be able to fix it for you. Um, yeah. because it just, it's, it's that self work that it, where, where it starts, whether that journey takes the rest of your life or 10 years or five years, everybody's going to be different for sure. So I agree with what you're saying there. It's just, you know, for me, it's just a matter of, you know, trying not to look at the outside things first. And that's why, like I said, with you, I think it was important that you brought up the fact that after you had done some of the work, you then put the story out and made it relatable because had you done that too soon, it may not have worked out the same way, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And I don't, and I don't disagree. I mean, even when I think about it now, the, you know, the truth behind our titles our movement, it's, you know, it's been in progress for five years. And when we had our first event here in New York city, you know, it was extremely well attended. I was very grateful for that. I was the keynote interview, but it's still, it's five years later, right? That the article is getting published to LinkedIn and that I have to say, I'm not sure I would have been as comfortable five years ago having the article <laughs> published, um, especially in the way that it got published and the attention that it garnered. Um, so I think that that, I certainly, my story had been published through another medium, but we didn't get the onslaught of reactions to it. And I'm actually looking back now, I'm happy. I'm not sure I was quite ready to take that on. Now I was, like I was able to take it on, although it was overwhelming for me. I certainly was able to, you know, make comments to the people who commented back. I was able to look at the shares. I was able to pay attention and take it in, in a way I hope that was useful and constructive for people who were taking a look at it as, again, not about me, but giving them hope 
that it is possible to live with what I live with and actually thrive in your life, that that is possible to do. And I'm an example of that. And that's what I wanted to give people is hope that if you make choices where you really do want to thrive, you can. Uh, again, like even, uh, you know, part of what you're saying there is sort of relates to the same thing I'm trying to do with this podcast. My goal with this podcast is to, re- is to impact one person per episode. And I think what you're saying there is the same sort of thing is every person that read it, you're hoping that it impacted them in some, some way or another. And, and that's really all I think most of us should be focusing on is how we impact others. I, I feel like when we're in service of others is when we feel the best about ourselves. Um, and Brian, so. you said it, I, the, when you just said, uh, and I, I think somewhere in your write-up about your podcast, you comment on that is, you know, when I did our event five years ago in New York City, and people were asking me, like, what was my goal? What was my goal? You get a lot of these questions. And I was very candid. I said, I want one person in the room to put their shoulders down and not feel so alone because not only did they hear my keynote interview, but we had other people on a panel talking about other challenging, vulnerable topics. And that was it. And that still is my goal, is that it's one person, one person who just goes, oh, huh, okay, I'm not alone out here. Someone else is experiencing something similar. And I truly believe in life in general. If we can impact one human being, that's huge. That's really in service of others. It doesn't have to be tens of thousands of people. Mm-hmm. And it's great that some people can do that. But for me and for you, I love the, it's one person. That's yeah. a big impact, quite frankly, is that one person, you know, and I may never know that person's name. <laughs> I may never know where they are in the world. And I'm okay with that. I'm really okay with that, that We've, and I'm sure that's the same with you. You don't know all your podcasts, no. right? <laughs> no. You don't know the one person through any of your podcasts that unless they write you directly, which some do, but yeah. there's a good chance that we don't know who that one person is that was so impacted. I know, and, and, and I completely agree, and you're right, I don't know. I mean, I have, through my podcast where I host it, they show me st- statistics and everything, and, and literally I've seen people from all over the U.S. and all over the world that have listened to it, and it shows me what countries. So there's no way I would ever know exactly who's doing it because I don't know people in every place That's that right. it's been listened to, right? So 100%. What I did find interesting, though, um, in speaking of people that do reach out to you or do talk to you about it, Two people that I had an impact on, which I would have never expected, and I don't know, maybe you found the same, but it was my mother and my aunt. Um, my mom was one of the first people to like uh, speak up about my podcast. We were at a family uh, lunch with uh, my, my siblings and everything, and, and my mom just randomly brought up my podcast and listened to like one of the first episodes and told me how like it made her change about thinking about things. And I was like, that's like crazy. You know, like I'm thinking like, this is my mom who, you know, is like retired and in in a pretty good place in her life. But yet that episode impacted her in the way that she thinks. And then the same thing, I went to another family event where my aunt was and she was like, I'm really like, she's, she just told me, she's like, I've been listening to your podcast and I'm really enjoying it. She's like, I'm taking notes and stuff like that. And I was just like mind blown because again, it's not, those yeah. are ne- not necessarily the people that you would even first think of, but when it's your own family, it's just even that much, it just makes you feel that much better, I guess, is the way of putting it. But yeah, it's just interesting. And I, like I said, I don't know if anything similar happened to you, but it was just really funny yeah. to see that, you know, the people that you might not think of first were the ones that you impacted. 
Well, I, I, you know, and yes, there are some people who've let me know that they're impacted. And I think to me, there's a few places where it's really struck me is, you know, one of the things that I, I think about, I don't want to say that I struggle with, but that I think about is, you know, when I have come out publicly with my story, and as you can tell, I'm just completely committed to the corporate work environment. That's my world. That's where I play. That's where I've grown up. That's the work we do today. But I did come out with my story after I had held positions within corporations. I certainly run my own company now, and I'm working with many companies and many clients. Um, but I, I told my story post that. But yet, one of the things that I've sort of questioned in my mind is, you know, I never know because I don't lead with my story. There's no reason to. Um, I don't know what clients and I, I particularly partner with CEOs of companies who's read my story, doesn't read my story. I, I have no idea. But I've had a couple of clients um, just reach out to me one-on-one, -on -one, CEOs, to thank me for sharing. And in one case to say that the story was being forwarded in that CEO's world um, to help somebody else. So oh, that wow. really struck me as, again, you know, I don't believe that I've ever lost business um, because of my story. And I certainly know for a fact today that no one has fired me because <laughs> of my story. And that's powerful to hear, right? That that's, that I'm showing up and I, you know, I contribute, I'm on value and all those kinds of things, but no one has said, oh, gee, now that we know that about Michelle, now that we know she's been in psychiatric hospitals and et cetera, you know, uh, I'm not sure we can have her in the mix here. Uh, and that includes publicly traded companies where I deal with boards of directors. And then also, I've gotten a couple of notes on Facebook because we've shared the story across social mediums. And I was surprised that a couple of people I would have had no idea were looking yeah. Um, you know, sent me a message and really from their heart talked about how much they appreciated it because they have a child or somebody in their world who's suffering deeply and that this was helpful for them to read and know about. And that really, that I actually get tears when I think about yeah. that, that because that's what I'm hoping has happened. I, I want it to give hope somewhere, right? I, I want it to be able to provide someone like they're just, again, the shoulders go down like, okay, okay. You know, I'm not it, alone. Might, it might be okay. Um, you know, and again, I, I certainly, I'm not here to profess any kind of medical uh, advice about it or direction, except I can only speak from my own experience. Um, everybody does have their own path. There's no doubt about that. But I'm like you. It's amazing, right? When we hear about who might've been touched by what, you're doing and what I'm doing in the face of being able to be very open and vulnerable. No, definitely. I mean, like the one thing that sticks out when you were talking there is like the, the fact that like, I think so many of us feel very alone, especially in today's world with social media, with, mm -hmm. you know, so many of us trying to, to become entrepreneurs and like the loneliness of that. And so I think what's key here in, in everything that we're talking about is that what we're showing people is that they're not alone. Like you're saying, when they are able to put their shoulders down, it's that 
that sort of release of like, okay, I'm not the only one that's in this situation. I'm not the only one that's feeling this way. And I know that that was, you know, huge for me getting started on social media was, you know, like when I got let go from my, my job a couple of years ago, putting it out there and realizing there was 20 other people um, that had just got let go from their jobs around the same time I did. It was like, okay, well, you know, now I'm not thinking I suck so much or whatever it is, yeah. you know, cause yeah. that's the first things you feel is like, well, what did I do wrong? Like, why does this happen? You know, all these sort of things. Right. And then you put your story out there a little bit and you're like, okay, there's 20 other people that relate. And when you find that relatability, it helps you. And, and that's again, where I'm trying to go with this podcast, where I've tried to go with anything I do on social and anything I do moving forward is, is giving people that relatability because I think that's, what's going to help more of us sort of get out of these, you know, places that we don't want to be these places of struggle and, and so on in our life. So um, you know, I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. One thing I wanted to sort of touch on, because I think it's uh, um, important for other people, what would you say helped you sort of get the, the strength or, or get, you know, make that decision to put it out there? Because I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that maybe have a story that they've been thinking about sharing, but they're like, I don't know. You know, even when I shared one of my first articles on LinkedIn, I was worried because I was working at a job and I was writing about how I, my dream job was to work for Tesla. And I was like, how is this going to work out? What if my boss finds out? Is he going to fire me? Da, 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 da. But I posted sure. it anyways and whatever happens, happens, right? But, you know, I, 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 it wasn't to the same extent of sharing vulnerability that you did with your article, but there was still that feeling of, do I share this? Do I not? So yeah. on and so forth. So again, you know, if you could just let us know like, what, what helped you because it might help somebody else. Yeah, I think, a f- I mean, there's a few things. I mean, to being very honest, which of course you hope that I'm going to be today, is when I think about this summer and we put the article on medium.com and it's again, it's not that my story hadn't been out there before, but we just thought that this particular time in uh, the global environment and the conversations that we're having, that it seemed like it was the time that my kind of story is getting more traction and people need to hear more about it. And then from there, I got the I got a Facebook message from someone I happened I didn't know was connected to LinkedIn, but is, and then asked me to post it on LinkedIn, and I went sure, okay. Um, and I didn't really give it a lot of thought. Um, hmm. I didn't know what was going to happen. I just went, you know, okay, sure. You know, at this point, it's out there, so I'll put it on LinkedIn. And again, I didn't know behind this curtain. You know, I think of the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain. Did not know that this particular person you know, was going to, you know, through their algorithms, target the world with the article. And that's what happened. Um, And so within hours, the article had 10,000 views. And I think by the next morning, it had, you know, 15,000 or 20,000. And I literally didn't know what to do. (laughs) But, you know, like social media, it's, it's not that these people are in my living room, right? So they're around the world reacting. But I would say, you know, to, to aim more closely to your question, I would say to people, proceed with care, um, depending on what the story is, you know, depending on what it is that you're sharing, but certainly my story, which is wrought with a lot of tragedy and really challenge and is a very stigmatized topic. Um, let's not kid ourselves. You know, using the word suicide in the topic of an article I'm going into very stigmatized area and you, you do at least I needed to be well enough to be able to tolerate the reactions to the article. 
Now, I do think that because it was done on LinkedIn, there was a bit of a, even though it was widely distributed, it is, it, you, you have the expectation that it is a bit more of a professional community. Mm -hmm. So I would say there was only a handful of comments, maybe not even, that were a little bit off the beaten path, but nothing that was upsetting. Let's put it that way, right? Yeah. Because that can happen. And I think that's the risk we have with social media. We've all seen that where even Brene Brown talks about it after her TED talk, like she just had to shut down looking at the comments because the comments aren't always nice. And then you feel very vulnerable and it's a very upsetting and it really can, you know, it, it, it doesn't make you feel as good. Mm -hmm. um, so I really say, you know, if someone has a story to tell that is being vulnerable and open about something that they're going through is just talk to your close network, talk to your friends, have, if you've written it, if, you know, if you've already written it or you're planning on writing it, write it, draft it and send it to a few friends and let them react to it for you that, that love you and care about you and, and give you some input onto whether or not this is something that should get the breath of a wider audience. Uh, because again, when we're vulnerable, as you were with your job loss, and I am with my mental health, we all know there's going to be the critics. Yeah. Right? And it's that old Teddy Roosevelt, you know, saying is, you know, if you're not going to get in the arena with me, then you really don't have a right to comment. You got to be, you want to get dirty in with me. But even so, it doesn't mean we're not sensitive to the critique and to the negative comments. And when you're being very vulnerable, those sometimes can be very disarming and really uh, cause you to, to just, you know, start critiquing yourself in a way that's not healthy. So I, I believe very strongly you want to get other people's buy-in that love you about what do you think? Do you think I'm ready to release this? Do you think this is, you know, what do you think about this? And listen to them. Don't ignore people who love you and what they have to say to you about it. No, and and I think that's key. I think that's important too in this in the sense that when you have that support from those people, that even if things don't go necessarily the way that you wanted to, you know you still have the support of those people, and and that's going to be a big part of it, no matter what, whether it goes well or doesn't. That's having right. the support of those people close to you is is definitely going to be something that'll help you get through. Even if you get a bunch of of bad comments, it's those people that you reach out to or those people that you have to support you that'll help get you through that if need be. And obviously, I would never hope that, but yeah, you know, social media it's unknown. The other thing that I think was important that you you said there towards the beginning of, of when we started to talk about that is that when you decided to do it, you just sort of did it. And I think that's an important thing for people to sort of, you know, not overthink too much. Cause I think that's another thing too, is that a lot of us we've thought about doing something a hundred times and the reasons why we shouldn't, and then we never do. And right. for me, a big part of whatever, everything that I've done in the last couple of years is I've had this sort of just start mentality, I call it. So mm -hmm. rather than overthinking it, I'll just start it in some shape or form. Yeah. Like even this podcast, you know, I spent probably two or three months of just like, okay, well, you know, I got to buy equipment. I've got to think about the format of it. I got to, mm -hmm. and I had all these different things and it was funny. It was my wife um, who actually called me out and said, well, why don't you just start? And that was my whole thing. Like I said, over the last couple of years and my wife's like, well, why don't you just start? And I was like, all right, well now that my wife's called me out, I guess I kind of need to. And, and that's literally what I did. I went on yeah. Amazon, I bought yeah. the equipment and I started and, and, you know, so far so good. And, and, but I, you know, there was that point in time, like I said, for two or three months where I was just like thinking about this, that and everything else. And so I think it's important that when we do make the decision that we just sort of got to 
whatever it is, it might not be actually physically starting the thing or posting it, but you know, like you said, it might be sharing it with a few friends. It might be something of that sort, right? But as long as we start and give ourselves that little bit of momentum, then it's easier to, to move on to the next step. So, but again, well, just... The, the truth of it is, right, we all have a story to tell mm -hmm. if we think about, you know, what happens in our lives. I do think um, there, it's worth asking ourselves sometimes, what's the motivation in sharing this story or... Mm -hmm piece or this article, whatever it might be, is I think just checking our own motivations for it. You know, I certainly know that, you know, sharing the story, you know, five years after it was originally shared, you know, the, the reason was, is I really believe so thoroughly about that one person, um, impacting that one person. Mm -hmm. I never imagined what was going to happen on LinkedIn, that certainly wasn't clear to me, nor did the person who helped with that tell me in advance, like, hey, by the way, you know, just be prepared. <laughs> you know, I think there's, this is going to be massive. No one's, you know, he just said, I, this is a topic we see our communities talking about, and I think it will be meaningful to them. I went, okay, I don't know what that means. <laughs> but it sounds good to me. You know, maybe I'll, I'll reach a handful more of people that need to hear this great, fantastic. You know, and then it went from there. But I also think that for any of your listeners is, you know, I wasn't sharing it so I could have 53,000 views. Yeah, That was not my intent. My intent was one view of one person who will feel not alone. Um, that was not the, the, that kind of big outcome was not what I was anticipating or looking for, or was important to me. Yeah. Um, What's important to me today about knowing that that's what the impact was is how much my particular topic, you know, or, or a topic around mental health, that people need to find a way to have a discussion about that, that and that my article was a conduit to yeah. invite a discussion. And that I'm very happy about, that that's what happened. It was, it was a conduit, it was a way to facilitate a discussion whether or not, especially leaders or HR leaders use my article as the, as the basis, it doesn't matter to me. It's more, hey, if that opened the door to having these kinds of conversations more safely in the workplace, then by all means, fantastic. Whether or not you ever mention my name again, it doesn't matter to me. Yeah. So I think that, and that's what you're getting at, right? Which is with your podcast, it's about, it's about servant leadership. It's not about Brian's name or Michelle's name being attached to something, right? It's about, are we the conduits to invite a certain conversation? You know, are you with your podcast about vulnerability, are you able to be the gateway to people talking about vulnerability, whether or not they ever mention your podcast? Yeah. It's not about that. It's about, hey, we've helped to stir that kind of conversation. We've helped to stir those kinds of interactions that really matter to people. Hundred oh, percent. I couldn't have said it better myself, and <laughs> definitely a great way to put to, to put what I'm trying to do here. So, mm -hmm. so, so everything that we've talked about so far today, in terms of you know whether we go back to the skating, the running, the the mental health issues, and overcoming those, and 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 you know even the journey you're still on with those. How would you say everything that's gone on in your life has helped you get to where you are right now in life? Ooh, boy. Um... You know, I, I, all I can say is I'm a survivor. I mean, obviously, literally, I'm a survivor. Um, and there is, 
my wiring, and this is just, it's more, I think, genetics as well as environment. Um, I happen to be adopted and I, and I had incredible parents who raised me and I've since learned about my birth family. And I've also had, you know, so I've, I've got a, a strong gene pool, although certainly some, some not great aspects of it uh, based on my own mental health. But I also learned in the environment I grew up in, I learned to um, finish things. I learned to fight for myself. I learned to stand up for myself. I learned to be strong in life. And that was my environment I was raised in. And that's bode well for me to, you know, be where I am today. But I, I was laughing when you were talking about, you know, your wife and about the podcast and just starting things is, you know, I think about that too, is I can get analysis paralysis when I start thinking about something too much, or I'm like, oh, I don't know. I, I end up more often than not, not doing it, right? But when I sort of get something in my head and I'm like, you know, just go, go do it. Like somehow go do it. It may not always turn out perfectly, but that that helps me to get to where I am in life as well. I think about, you know, starting my own company now, it's 12 years. If I ever knew all the challenges <laughs> that were going to come with starting my own company, I probably would have said, yeah, no, I don't think I'm going to do that. Because it's a lot. It's not easy to forge a life of an entrepreneur and, and, and have a company that finally makes money and services clients. It's, there's all sorts of problems with it. Um, but there's also lots of joy with it. So I'm glad sometimes I don't know what I don't know. <laughs> to be with you, I'm really, I'm really glad because if I knew, I might end up being curled up in a ball and, and not going forward, Brian. Um, but the, la the thing I'll say, and I know you have one of these questions that's important to you. I hope I'm not jumping too far ahead. About, you know, what are the three pieces of advice you know, that, yeah. that you can give people? And this holds true for myself. The first one is ask for help. Ask for help and ask for help again. <laughs> I've learned that over the years and I've really um, grabbed onto that. For years and years, I did not ask for help. I thought I had to do everything on my own. I thought if I asked for help, I was showing that I wasn't smart enough, capable enough, or I didn't know enough. And that is so not true. You know, asking for help is actually a sign of strength. And it just says that there's an opportunity that I might learn something from another expert that I don't know. And so that's going to change the way that I can then be in the world. So I really encourage all your listeners, please ask for help no matter what you're struggling with. We all love to help, but, but I think in asking for help, you need to also hone how you ask for help. Because there's a lot of people, myself included, we all have a lot of opinions. We all have a lot <laughs> of advice to give. But you know, you want to ask for help from those who can really help you mm -hmm. and help you very honestly and objectively and really are gonna be the truth tellers in helping. That is incredibly important. Then I also say, find a good support network. There's, you know, there's a big talk today, and, and I don't disagree with it, and it has to do with, you know, it, it's really stemmed from Facebook and Facebook groups and those kinds of things where we tend to, you know, clamor around only like-minded people and we're not getting diverse thought. Mm -hmm. There is something to be said, though, that like-minded people with a particular struggle or challenge, it is very useful. It's, it's sometimes hard for people who haven't walked our path to understand us. And yet when we're with other people who have walked our paths or are similar, they do understand us. 
but you need to mix that with the diverse thinking as well. It can't just be the like-minded people. That's very limiting. It closes us off and candidly from the diverse group, you're gonna get an idea or a suggestion that the like-minded might not give you because they don't know everything and they come up with something you're like, oh my God, I didn't even think of that, of course. So that's the other thing is community, community, community and a mixed community that can support and help you. And finally is also, because again, I'm committed to the corporate workplace is finding the support systems in the corporate workplace whether it be through your HR groups, whether it be through EAP, whether it be through a lot of companies these days are having tons of different groups forming in their companies informally and formally, get on board with one of those. It matters. It gets you more connected in your workplace, gets you connected with other people you're working with. And if you're out there as an entrepreneur, Brian, as you are and as I am, there are ton there's tons of support for entrepreneurs. Yeah meetup groups, there's online groups, there's all sorts of ways that you don't have to be in a home office just by yourself, that there are plenty of ways to connect with people today uh, through online methods and through um, in your community. No. And so the first two points you made there, um, you know, I think that are, are, are extremely important. And the third one's important too. But what I wanted to touch on with the first two, especially was the first one in asking for help. I mean, I, I couldn't agree more if I hadn't have asked for help, this podcast wouldn't exist. Right. You know, it was a good friend of mine who already had a podcast. I said, can we go for a coffee? And in an hour and a half conversation, he literally gave me every little sort of technical thing I needed to get this going, which made me jump 10 steps ahead because a lot of what I was overthinking was part of that. And so just having that one coffee and this gentleman's, you know, probably 12 years or so younger than me, but it didn't matter about his age or anything. Wow. He had done something that I hadn't done. And like you said, asking for help with, from somebody who may have expertise in something that you don't, it, that's, it's, it's, it's important. And, and then in the second one, in terms of talking about like finding the group and, and diversity, I mean, I, I couldn't sort of, I, I want to say that, I don't know how I want to put this, but like that, that to me is, is like essentially what I'm doing here. Like I, I couldn't support that more if I wanted to, because the whole point of with this podcast, yes, is to impact other people, but the amount that I'm learning myself by mm. surrounding myself with different people with diverse backgrounds and different things that they've been through. I've had people on here that have gone through health issues. I've had people on here that have gone through family struggles. I've had people that have just gone through personal struggles. I like it's, it's a vast amount of people and, and different things that they've all sort of faced, but the amount that I'm learning by being included in that diversity is incredible. So I, I couldn't, like I said, there's, I have to base, I just want to put a hundred percent of my you know, self back in whatever way you want to look at it behind that point, because it's exactly what I've found. And so I couldn't agree with it more at all. So um, again, three key takeaways that were, were definitely all great, but the first two there, I just wanted to touch on a bit more. So um, we did sort of skip over here, but I'll, I'll just finish off with these last couple of questions. The, the, one of the last ones would be, would you say that you found success and fulfillment in your life at this point, or would you say that you're still on your journey towards that? Yeah, no, I would say, yes, I have. Um, I got remarried. Uh, gosh, I was forgetting now. It's seven years ago. I met my husband, my love, Joe, who is just nothing but supportive and has my back at every turn. 
and he is a, was a big dog lover. I was not a, I never really had dogs in my life. And so he introduced me to two breeds, the Newfoundlands and the Bernese Mountain Dog breed. <laughs> and I fell in love with Bernese Mountain Dogs. And once we moved out of New York City and to a place where we could, you know, have a, a little bit of a larger dog, we have our burner. And that was life changing for me. That's just amazing. And I've really come into my own. I, I've, I love what I do for a living. I love my company. I love our clients. I love my team. Um, I love where we live in New York. We live out north of New York City. Running, um, that was additive in my life. I picked up running about, you know, not quite three years ago now, and I'm an avid runner. That's been truly life-changing. So we travel. We get to travel around the world. Um, I wouldn't say frequently, but we do it fairly mm -hmm. regularly. And so there's just a lot of aspects that my life has become um, more joyous and happy regularly than it normally had been. And for someone like me who struggles, you know, with mental health and depression, that's a good thing. No, definitely. <laughs> that definitely makes my life much brighter. And so I'm delighted that those things have been happening for me and that they're in place and they're foundational now for me. So um, I'm, I'm in a very good place today. I really am. I, I feel good. I'm excited about the Thanksgiving holiday for those listening. And I don't know the timing of when this podcast <laughs> is released, but it's Thanksgiving in, in the States in, in a few days. And I'm looking forward to the long weekend and all the things that come with a few days off and then <laughs> at it for the month of December. No, definitely. And, and I'm glad that, uh, that you found all that in your life, especially, you know, as you talked about earlier, the struggles and things that you've been through in the past and the fact that, you know, you are a survivor and you may not have made it to get to this point now where you feel this way. I, I can only imagine feels pretty incredible because that's quite a, you know, uh, when we talk about, uh, you know, being in sort of the polar yes. opposites, you know, that's quite polar opposite. So um, I'm it glad is. to hear that. So the, la the last thing that I really touch on at the end here is, is more of an opportunity for my guests to sort of promote whatever they're up to. Um, because again, the, these sure. episodes are about you um, and they're about the other person. So uh, if you want to take a couple minutes here to just sort of, you know, let us know where to find you on social, how to connect with you and anything else that you want to promote, the floor is yours. Go ahead. Yeah, thank you, Brian. So what, you know, what I'm up to is, is running a thriving uh, HR consulting and leadership firm for growth enterprises in the middle market. You can find us at east10thgroup.com. Uh, sounds just like I said it. And you'll find our website there and you can find out all about us and the work that we do. And you can find me on LinkedIn under my name, Michelle Tenzik. Uh, my personal page is probably where the most posting is that you can see about what we're doing at East 10th Group and what I'm up to. The other place to find us that's really important to me is uh, thetruthbehindtitles.com. So thetruthbehindtitles.com. Uh, and you can sign the Truth Pledge if you want to commit to the Truth Pledge. Uh, we're not quite as active as I'd like to be there, but we are active and up and running, and it's very meaningful for me. And certainly, finally, on uh, my LinkedIn profile, you certainly can find the article that I wrote about my story. And I would ask any of your listeners, if you see that article and it's meaningful to you, please share it with your communities. Please comment on it and keep it in mind if it might help you form a good conversation with a colleague, a friend, or a loved one, or family member where mental health is predominantly part of the topic and you think any part of what I've shared could actually give someone else some hope. So that would be it for me. Uh, and you can find us on Twitter as well at East 10th Group 
and the same with Facebook under East 10th group where we have our, our Facebook pages. Awesome. Yeah, and I'll, I'll definitely um, put as much of that as I can into the show notes. I'll definitely uh, put a link to the article there and, and then your, your personal and business great. profiles and Fantastic. definitely throw, throw that in there. Um, you know, again, just to sort of finish off here, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming on today and, and sharing as openly as you did. I can't imagine that this is easy for anybody. And, and so when people do this for me and my podcast, I'm just super, super grateful and super appreciative because, uh, you know, we didn't meet each other before today. And so there's no reason why you needed to come on here and do this. But the fact that you did is just, it, it, like I said, it just fills me with a ton of gratitude because I just know that these stories are going to help people in some shape or form. And, and uh, yeah, so again, I just really thank you for coming on and, and sharing as openly as you did and, and giving us a lot of key insights too, just from your story and what you learned. So thank um, you again. Delighted to be here, Brian. And, and when this is ready to roll, just let us know. And we'll also make sure we populate this across our social platforms. Awesome. All right. Well, take care and, and thank you again. All right, Brian, have a great day. You Bye. Too. Bye. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and follow the podcast on Instagram at vulnerable.podcast or on Facebook and LinkedIn. You can also follow me, Brian Almeida, by searching my name on all platforms. If the podcast has impacted you in any way, I would also greatly appreciate a review. Lastly, if you know anyone with a great story of going from struggle to success, I would love to have them on. Thank you and see you next week.